All right, let me know when to go. I'm ready when you are. Welcome to Flopography, where we revisit old pop albums that are known by many, not because of their critical or commercial success, but because of their lack thereof. These albums received the designation of flop. But did we give them a fair shake? Hey guys, and welcome to episode seven of Flopography. It's uh, our seventh and final episode today. Of um, the season. <laughs> of, of the season. Last episode, are you feeling nostalgic or excited to have a little break and, and ready for season two? Both actually. So it's fun, funny because like I very seldomly do I actually take a deep breath and like reflect in the middle of the day. And as I was doing my hair for this episode, I was literally had that moment. I'm like, I'm like, wow, it just feels like just yesterday where I remember like rushing to get back to the scene and not knowing what our first episode would be like. And, you know, and then now here we are seven hours later, we got a good groove going, but I will be appreciative of some extra time in our nights. Look at here we are today, closing out our seventh and final episode. I know, it's so crazy. And that seventh episode today is going to be featuring Mike's favorite and his choice, uh, Britney Spears's Britney Jean. So And I've got to say, this was the first listen for me. What made you choose Britney Jean over Blackout, which is widely considered for uh, big flop? Okay, so there are some albums that are just so dull. Why wouldn't you do that album? And Blackout is one of those. Um, and I'm not opposed to doing Blackout a later episode, but that would have been so formulaic. People would just know. Explain to me where you uh, purchased that shirt you're wearing, um, and tell us a little bit about your fandom of Britney Spears. So um, I got the shirt as a actually a secret Santa this past year. Um, I have another shirt that says you want a piece of me on it with Britney and I got in trouble in high school for wearing it actually. Um, so I, yeah, so I, that one's in my storage. But anyways, um, I, Brittany and I have had a good relationship since Blackout. Um, I honestly, I bought her first album when it first came out. Um, I think I got it for Christmas maybe because I loved her. But like then, you know, kind of dipped out. In the Zone had some good tracks. But then when Blackout hit, I was hooked. I was obsessed with her. And like from Blackout onward, I've just been a super, super big stand because of her evolution of pop music. Um, to celebrate today as well, Steve. I'm bringing back another record. Oh, you got the physical <laughs> copy. <laughs> physical copy that again, that I had to buy the first day it came out. Oops, I just broke the Oh, you just lost it. Hopefully right there's no damage there. Steve, what's your outfit today? Is it inspired? So, so I had no idea what to wear, to be honest, for Britney Spears. But then I said the name of the album and Jenny goes, why don't you wear a denim shirt for Britney Jean, a uh -huh. jean shirt. To me, Britney Spears, she's quintessential pop, like a pop star, and she was the pop star when I was growing up. I mean, I remember back in 1998, 
her like sexy schoolgirl outfit and video for Baby One More Time. I wouldn't say that I'm a, a fan of hers, her, of her music per se, but what I've always enjoyed about her and what I've seen her public appearances is just like how sincere and kind of down to earth she is. Brittany Jean was released December 3rd, 2013. Mike, what were you listening to and what were you doing in 2013? And 2013 was honestly an exciting time for pop music for me. Um, I remember that quarter specifically, we had Gaga, we had Katy Perry Prism, um, we had Brittany Jean, we had Miley Cyrus bangers, like that entire like year of music was amazing. Um, I was wrapping up college and I was like in the beginning stages of a long-term relationship. And so this album kind of like meant a lot to me just because of the mixed emotions that comes along with that. She released this album a few weeks before my 26th birthday, mm -hmm. I believe a day before her own birthday, which we'll get into a little Wait, bit When's later. your birthday, Steve? My birthday is December 21st. Oh, so okay. it was, a, I'm a Christmas baby. It was a few weeks before uh, my birthday. I was living in Chicago, specifically in Wicker Park with my buddy, Jeff, who I actually, he was always kind of the DJ of the house and would always have the music playing when we had people over. Um, and, you know, we definitely were not listening to Britney Jean. Uh, my taste is more pop music, but his taste is definitely more hipster. He's he's not into the mainstream music. Yeah. So I actually texted him, what were we listening to in 2013? He rattled off Run of the Jewels, Danny Brown, and Chance the Rapper. He said, 2013 was a great year of music, apparently, but for different reasons than Mike's. Yeah, right. <laughs> The other music that was popular at the time, Miley Cyrus' Wrecking Ball, Katy Perry Roar were two of the biggest uh, female pop songs. She was on her eighth album. She was 31, which is pretty young for your eighth album, but she started at such a young age. That's crazy that she was 31, wow. Yeah, and like I said, the album was released one day before her 32nd birthday. Mm -hmm. And uh, she considers this her most personal at the time. Uh, and she had just broken up uh, from a relationship with her talent manager. Yeah, it was, a, it was uh, her talent manager slash he was part of her conservatorship. Um, like one of the people who was one of the managers on that and also her significant other, it's crazy. Her albums, she launched with Baby One More Time, followed up with Oops, I Did It Again, Britney, In The Zone, and then Blackout. And then Circus and Femme Fatale, which set us up for Britney Jean. On a shameless night in a nameless place, I thought that love was a hopeless case till I found you, till I found you. Her discography prior she, like I said, released Femme Fatale. The first week sales were 276,000 um, and it's currently platinum. And the billboard peaks were Till the World Ends hit number three, which I recognize that song. I'll hold it against me also. Uh, that hit number one. Uh, I Wanna Go hit number seven and Criminal hit 55. Yeah. What was your favorite from, uh, from yeah. that album? Oh, I think I want to go. I want to go with just like one of those high energy songs. You just want to like fist pump. It was amazing. 
Let's get into the flop uh, album specifically by the numbers. The record debuted at number four on the Billboard 200, so it did not hit number one, um, with first week sales just north of 100,000. And in doing so, it became Spears' lowest peaking and lowest selling record in the United States. For comparison, Miley Cyrus sold 270K, Katy Perry sold 286, and Gaga's Art Pop sold 258. Her singles were Work Bitch. We can edit that out. I don't know. <laughs> no editing. At number 12. Perfume hit number 76. I never tell, tell myself, but I hope she smells my perfume. She did not receive the typical radio support she would have in previous albums. The album today is gold. And uh, her Metacritic score was a 50, her worst score from critics. Blackout actually received a 61. So in other words, it's a flop. When you first heard this album, what was your initial reaction? Honestly, I was obsessed with it. But when looking back in 2020 with 2020 Vision, uh -huh, um, I like, I mean, I was blinded by her star power, her her fandom, right, that that I was part of. Um, and so when I, I look back to it, like, honestly, I was, this album was on repeat nonstop for me. The first half of the album does not let off the gas. I actually worked out to this album, and that's, like, when I realized that it had a lot of upbeat music in the first half of the album. I bet this, this album is a part of, Mike, your cycle bar class. Oh, my God. Well, actually, I've only done a couple songs for this. But I will say, Work Bitch came out. That was, I was in the best shape of my life. Like I was working out like every day. And I gotta say, it's probably some part of the song. Also in the front half, Body Ache as well, uh, really amps up the energy. What was your low moment from the era? The entire album, like the startup, there was no promotion whatsoever. And whenever an artist chooses not to actively promote an album, from a PR perspective, you are set up for failure. And I'll never forget, I think it was GMA. Um, GMA or Today, one of those two shows. Um, but they hyped up this huge Britney experience and segment and like, oh my God, you don't want to miss this. Tell me why Britney Spears in the middle of a desert did this segment, didn't even perform Work Bitch. She didn't perform at all. And she just like announced like her Vegas re residency and like was that, that was it, it was something stupid. And like to me, like look, look back, 
that set the tone because it's like, what? Like, how do you not go on this huge opportunity, national television, promote this song that you have that was a banger, let's be honest. And like, it, it's, it's just everything filtered through with that lens. And it was a disappointment in itself. Steve, what was your low moment? So as you know, the era is a little bit new to me. Some of the songs feel a bit disconnected from her her kind of claim about how personal the album is. Yeah. Britney's music has always been a tad superficial to me compared to Shots Fired. Other pop artists that maybe have a little bit more depth. Some of the songs felt manufactured unnecessarily. I always know when I'm listening to a Britney Spears song that probably some some auto-tune will be a part of it, but I felt some of the songs were over auto-tuned and didn't just let Britney's voice stand on its own. That got me into investigating a little bit where I found that there's a claim that her former backup singer actually sang some of the songs on the album. So Maya Marie was a backup vocalist for Femme Fatale. Um, and they carried her on over to Britney Jean. And there is a claim, a lot of, a lot of conspiracy videos, if you all have time and want to look into it, that Maya Marie sang like 75% of that record. Um, and there's pretty compelling audio evidence to validate that that is not Britney's voice in certain songs. I didn't want to believe it at first, but hindsight, I looked into those songs and oh my God, Steve, they are not Britney, some of them. I know Britney's voice. Is there a specific song? I would say Body Ache is one of them where that's clearly not Britney's voice. There's parts of Passenger where her like high bridge vocals are just like super like out there. Like, oh my God, it's powerful. That's not Britney's voice. It's hard to jump with no net. And maybe if those weren't her vocals, how passionate are you to want to promote it? You know? That's true too. That's very true. What should have been the third single? Such a shame. Um, I would say Body Ache, obviously. Body Ache is like a jam and a half. Um, David Guetta had a hand on production of that, I think. Um, actually, no, maybe it's Nicky Romero. Um, and then a, a deluxe track, Now That I've Found You. I can see the So I had a couple because I feel like the past few episodes, we've been choosing the same single. So I wanted to come back with something that um, that was unique. Uh, one of mine was Body Ache. Did it get you running? Like it, it, it gave me that extra boost. The single that I enjoyed the most was actually Passenger. Uh, uh, I knew you were going to say that. I literally knew you were going to say that. I knew it.
I didn't realize it was co-written by Katy Perry. And Sia. Um, oh, and Sia wrote. Wow. Yeah. Well, it was meant for Prism, actually. So it's been seven years since this album was released. Mike, what aged the best and what aged like a block of cheese? <laughs> um, block of cheese is good, though. Age, geez, isn't it good? Um, so, I see. I'm curious. I'm going to deviate a little bit because Work Bitches aged the best. And let's be real, like that is an iconic song, especially for the gay community. And when she released it, it was kind of left feel because it still has that nice, like, dancey beat that Britney's known for, but it's a little bit more avant-garde in a way. And it's it's not commercial cookie cutter pop. Um, and as a Britney fan, where does that rank in her entire like catalog song catalog to you? Is I that like top five? Oh, 100%, 100%. Like the song's iconic. What was your take on Work Bitch? I was not a big fan of Work Bitch when it initially came out. The single could have been a bad move frankly, because it has profanity in it. And that's not what Britney typically release. It sounds absurd to say in a world where WAP exists, but it it's not part of Britney's, what her fandom expects or what the general public expects of her. Yeah. I'll say listening to it now, it's a song that, that really like brings, brings the intensity. Uh, and I actually think, Looking back, it's probably one of her stronger efforts uh, because of that. Uh, but at the time, I think that it was such a deviation and like so explicit is as small as the B word is. But like, I do think that that affects your pop radio presence. Yeah, I think you're, you're totally spot on. I mean, it's not a song for the masses. It has a very niche community, but I also think it's been a sleeper hit. So I think over the past seven years, it's grown really to be like a staple, right? Like you probably will hear it in a workout class because it has grown that cult following now. I think what hasn't aged well, that time of the of when this released 2013, EDM had been popular now for a couple of years, right? EDM really kind of started hitting the charts in 2010, 2011. And she took, she did hop onto the EDM bandwagon with, by partnering with David Guetta, by partnering with Nikki Romero, really strong EDM DJs, um, and then partnering with people that are popular, like William Orbit. And I think when you listen to it, the songs are pretty good, like, you know, pretty good beats, like, um, you know, Body Ache, Till It's Gone. You hear the really strong beats, but at the same time, it doesn't seem authentic. And that what, that's what hasn't aged well, is when you have an artist that latches them, puts your vocals on some EDM beats, and it just doesn't match well. And I don't think it did it, did it didn't do right for Britney. What aged the best to me? It was an up-tempo album yet it was personal. I think that is something that you don't often see. And to me, that was uh, something that aged well. Uh, because if you look at today's pop stars, like Lady Gaga just re released Chromatica, which people would argue is more personal than jo Flop Ann, yeah. Joanne. Um, yet it's all up-tempo, there's no ballad. So I think like that to me aged well in, in bringing to life those personal 
stories in a more up-tempo way. What didn't age well? All of the features on the album, but specifically the duet with her sister was Uh, abysmal. (laughs) It was like a Hallmark movie. Uh, but also questionable were the T.I. and Will I Am features. This comes off the heels of Scream and Shout. You know, Scream and Shout was huge the year prior. So Britney took the Will I Am shtick and ran with it and maybe a little bit too much. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit in a little bit here. Don't you rip me apart. Don't you rip me apart. Baby love, it should be easy. It shouldn't be complicated. It should be easy. Tell me your rationale for what went wrong with this album from a macro point of view. Um, Lack of promotion. She did it only because she was coming out with her Vegas residency, which as we know, hugely successful, right? She was the artist that ushered in a whole new era of modern day pop acts that weren't yet past their prime that just went to Vegas and did a show and had tons of money from it, right? So, of course, you know, she was a tester. She was a guinea pig. So you would think when you have a tour, you had to release an album, right? So I think her management's like, hey, we have to make a record. So all of the thing was shittily put together, even down to the track list. The track list, I remember reading at the back of it, literally one of the songs is spelled wrong. Tight is spelled T-I-T-E on the back of the track list. And that's just, to me, it's, yeah, seriously, if you guys want to look, look at the back of the record. But to me, it's representative of a larger issue. They just threw that shit together, threw some person's vocals on for some of the songs because Britney didn't have time to record because she was rehearsing. And they went on this big thing, right? So at a macro level, like, it was hastily put together and it was too much of a cash grab and it didn't work out. Now, I'm going to make one more comment. I think because Britney's the pioneer with Vegas residency, this modern pop artist, um, you notice like Gaga with Enigma. She didn't release an album with it, right? Um, you look at J-Lo with her successful tour um, and Vegas didn't release an album with it. Same thing with Gwen Stefani, all these huge pop acts. Like they learned from Britney Jean and said, yeah, it's not a good idea to put a pop album together. and think it's going to drive sales. My rationale for what went wrong One was her singles being more explicit to the general public than previously. I think Work Bitch wasn't necessarily as radio friendly Mm -hmm. as previous singles, especially when you think of like Till the World Ends. I listened to Tick Tick and it sounds like she's just saying dick dick over and over again. I think that at least she's found um, an anthem in work bitch that's kind of stood the test of time, despite how, how uh, thrown together the album is. 
Work Bitch is going to be one of those songs that for her fan base, really, I think, has grown now to the general public that will, to your point, stand the test of time. And it's going to be one of her staple songs. So at least she had that. And also is a really great opener for that that piece of me um, tour. But, I, you know, again, the lack of promotion, I, I can't emphasize it enough. Like you need to promote your body of work. Um, to your point, Perfume is a really great song. And she actually uses her vocals in that that song. You can hear her vocals, that, that's all her. Um, but when you don't show the breath behind it with uh, promotion and talking about the personal touch to it, it's just a lost opportunity. So now looking at Britney Spears in 2020, how has she saved her career? And if she hasn't, how does she go about doing so? You know, I think Britney doesn't really give a fuck, to be honest. <laughs> I don't think she really wants to save her career because I think she doesn't think it needs to be saved. She is an iconic artist in her in her own right. Um, we, we all know that. I think you can agree with that, right, Steve? She's iconic? Yes. yes. Okay. So, so she doesn't really need to have that pressure there. Her last album, Glory, is what I would call a good palate cleanser. I think it's was a safe album. It was a good album, objectively. But now that she's had that, her next record, whenever she decides to get off Instagram and make it, it needs to have that pop finesse to it. And it needs to have Max Martin. It needs to have her, like, all her heavy hitters on it and, like, just go at it. And that's how she, from the masses perspective, can get back on top. To your point, I don't I don't know that she needs to save her career at this point. Yeah. Like, I think that she's the type of artist that is just such a fabric of pop culture that she, it doesn't really matter if her album flops or not. Like, I didn't even know Glory existed <gasps> until I went through uh, her discography. I'm sad. Sorry, Mike. But I think, you know, with the the current like free Britney movement, uh, I think people just have this likability for Britney and just feel like she's been under this control of the system for years. And that I think people will support her no matter what. And people honestly don't listen to her music for this deep artistry. And that's so true. And like people need to stop like, Back in the day, people were like, oh my God, she's just manufactured pop. Like, but that's okay. Like, if you know as an artist that that's what you're good at, do it. All right. It's that time of the show where we pull up our favorite fan tweets uh, under the hashtag justice for Britney Jean. Ooh. Let's see what we have here, Steve. What did you pull? Yeah, so our first tweet from Den of Arts is, uh, can we get hashtag justice for Britney Jean and force her to re-record the tracks herself with better production? The shade. Shade, shade, shade. So shade for, for Maya Marie. <sighs> justice for Maya Marie. Okay, look at Maya Marie's Instagram. She still, like, rides the cash cow on this album, and like she'll reply to people and like kind of insinuate that it was her singing on the entire record. But honestly, I agree. Like Brittany, just go back and do the record all over again. Our second tweet is from source Ryan oh, uh, and it tweets at will I am. Why did you ruin Brittany Jean? 
all of the auto-tune, unnecessary production, burying Brit's vocals, Maya Marie, hashtag justice for Britney Jean. So, I mean, this is more than a, just a conspiracy. People are, are really taking this seriously. And uh, I think, you know, felt that the album was overproduced. Steve, if you ask any Britney Spears stan, not a fan, a stan, they hate Will I Am because of this record. Um, they honestly think that, because Will I Am was the EP on this, he was executive producer, and like they blame him for everything going wrong in this era. And let's pull up our third and final tweet. Maybe if we get BJ to number one, uh, she will finally release Body Ache as the third single. Hashtag justice for Britney Jean. So when I saw this, I figured that Body Ache was a favorite among her fans. All right, Mike, it's that time for the 2020 review. Uh, so looking back on Britney Jean this year, as you re-listen to it this week, flop or not? Okay, I'm going to be objective with this one. As much as I have a really, really soft spot for this album, it is indeed a flop. Um, it honestly deserved everything that it got. Um, I, I like the album though. I do like some tracks on that. There are some really good nuggets on that, but objectively it's a flop. After listening to the album for the first time, I have to agree, Mike, it's, it's a flop. <laughs> Not only from a music perspective, but commercially it just did so much like more poorly than her previous albums, but it ignited a really powerful residency in Vegas. And to your point, many other female pop stars residency and, and Vegas isn't a place you go to die anymore as a musician. It's where you go to like make a shitload of cash. Well, Mike, that wraps up our seventh and final episode of season one of Flopography. What the future looks like, well, you'll have to stay tuned. Please still hit us up on social media at Flopography Podcast. Let us know what you think of Britney Jean or, you know, what types of shows or albums you'd like us to review uh, moving forward. But Mike, uh, from my end, this has been an incredible, an incredible uh, run. And I look forward to the future of flopography and uh, it'll be nice. My ears getting a rest from listening to crappy. <laughs> artists. Yeah. It'll, it'll be nice, Steve, to get a little bit of a break. Honestly, the Eminem, the J Justin Timberlake records. Um, just they broke you. They broke me in too. And so I need to recover. Um, and, but we do, I can't emphasize enough. Like, you know, we appreciate everyone that has taken the time to actually listen to this or watch this. Um, please continue to do so and share it with your friends. You can find all of our links around every major platform on anchor.fm slash flopography podcast. Um, you'll get a link to everything. If you're on YouTube or whether you're actually on Apple Music or whatever you are, please like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, that does a lot of good things for us. But we also just, you know, again, 
want to make sure that you all tell us what you want to hear from us in the future. And Steve, this was a fun run. It was really good. It's been real and uh, look forward to, uh, have we always had this? <laughs> we have. <laughs> oh man, I we're cheesy, but I like it. All right. Uh, well, everybody have a great, great evening as Mike likes to say, or morning or whenever you're listening to us, but we appreciate it no matter when or, or where. Cheers, everyone. Thank you so much. Bye, guys. Time.